Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Our keynote speaker today is Joe Catchside. Now, Joe has been a property investor for 26 years, something like that. He's been in sales and lettings also for 16 years. He's a property investor that also does serviced accommodation. So he's also got rent to service accommodation properties. And today's talk is about how to build positive relationships with sales and lettings agents. I'm sure many of us are interested in getting rent to SAs from agents, and that involves building up a relationship and presenting yourself in the right way. And also below market value deals, all of that good stuff. Rent to SA, below market value deals, all of that stuff. So I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this talk with Joe. Can I get a massive round of applause for Joe Catchside? Thank you very much. Um, Now, we've got a really, really big room here. This is very impressive. 100 plus people in the room, I would say. So I'm going to ask you all to please show me your hands if you would like a series of off-market deals brought to you before everybody else saw them. Does that sound? That's pretty much universal. Okay, that's good. Show me your other hand if you'd like a team of professionals looking for those deals for you on somebody else's payroll. Okay, good. Um, I hope I'll be able to give you some insights on how you can develop that because those people are out there already. They're called estate agents. They are in your town, in your gold mine areas, in the places where you're looking for your your essays. And if you build relationships with them correctly, then you can be the first person on their list when they've got something that meets your criteria. Um, So just for me to get a bit of a gauge as to where this room is in its property journey, and for the listeners of the podcast, they'll be able to answer this question themselves. Can you give me a raise of a hand if you're looking to rent to essay stuff? Okay, so that's probably three quarters of the room, if not more. And uh, if you're looking to buy properties to SA, show me your hands now. So probably slightly fewer, but not much different. More than half the room certainly looking for purchases. So actually dealing with sales and rental agencies, which is what I'm going to touch in in the the next half an hour or so, will I hope give some value to the whole room. Just before we kick off, I do want to thank Caroline and Kevin for letting me come up and share their stage and share their audience. Uh, When I first encountered Progressive, um, it was, as many people, at one of the multiple streams events, and um, Kevin and Caroline, uh, Kevin's presentation, I now understand that Caroline actually does all the work in the background and Kevin's just the showman. Um, But but, uh, what they had to say and how they described serviced accommodation and how they presented was something that really drew me in from the outset and started my journey. So the idea that I can be up on a stage with somebody that I regard as a a bit of a guru and a mentor is, is, is a great privilege for me. So I want to thank you guys for that and to Matt also for doing all the logistical and technical stuff in the background. Um, Why am I able to come and talk about this? Well, Kev's mentioned 25 years as a landlord and an investor, 16 years as an estate agent, award-winning. 
Jimmy Carr gave us a nice award for having the best marketing plan in the UK estate agency. Which is very good of him. Um, multiple business owner, B&I director consultant as well. I do coach and mentor stuff. I coach a rugby league team in Exeter, which is quite a rarity in itself. So, um, and I'm not saying this because I'm kind of boasting and bragging. It's just because I've got experience in the kind of things that we're, we're talking about here. This is what gives me the, the, the knowledge and the experience that I can share with you guys today. First key message, don't put estate agents on a pedestal. For a start, you can't get them to stay there. They just get off and walk away. I, I, I learned dad jokes from the best. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> um, it's very easy, especially if you're relatively early in your journey in property as an investor or a developer, to think of estate agents as being a fountain of local knowledge and local wisdom. And actually, in truth, estate agents generally know a very little bit about a very narrow part of the property market. Most of them do not become estate agents because they've got a you know, dying fascination with property, some because they want to go nose around people's houses, but mostly they become an estate agent because at 16 or 18 or 21 or whenever they were looking for work, the insurance company didn't get back to them and they blew the leisure centre interview and then the estate agent offered them a job and they thought, well, that's decent money, I can do that. As they develop in their career and move further back in the room, yeah, they build up more knowledge about the local area and about the sales process or the rentals process, but they don't necessarily know anything about investments or about what you guys know, being part of the progressive community, being part of Kevin's masterclass group. You've done a lot of property training already and you will know an awful lot more about the things that investors and developers are looking for than most estate agents. Obviously there are some exceptions. We went into agency because we were investors and we thought estate agency was being done very badly. But most agents mm -hmm. are not somebody you need to kind of laud for their, their worldly wisdom and knowledge. So why would we deal with estate agents at all? On the sales side, pretty straightforward. 90% of residential sales in the UK are transacted through an estate agent. So I hope you're all doing direct to vendor marketing. And if you are, fantastic. But estate agents do all of their marketing direct to vendor and they get 90% of the market sales through them. And of the remaining 10%, eight out of 10 are sold through an auction house. So in fact, estate agency as a bracket sells 98% of residential property in the UK. We as a room full of investors get one out of 50 instructions direct to vendor and the other 49 are sold by estate agents. So that's why if we're looking to purchase property, we should be talking to sales agents. And why we need to build relationships with them is because 20% of all sales don't ever get listed on the portals. In other words, one in five sales being transacted through an estate agent are being sold to somebody on the agent's books who gets a phone call before it's ever listed on the portals, so they buy it before it ever goes to the open market. And with a fair wind and a bit of training, hopefully that's where you'll be, and I hope I can help you to get into that, onto that hot list, onto that list of people that buy the properties before they ever see the light of Zoopla. Rentals is not quite such a clear-cut market as sales. Almost all sales go through agents. In rentals, 49% of landlords don't actually use an agent. So if you are looking to rent to SA, then yeah, you're going to be doing a lot more direct-to-vendor stuff. You're going to be doing 
chasing things through open rent and, and spare room and looking for the landlords in your area that are not using an agent. And that's fine. But some other interesting stats in there. Landlords with only one property are far less likely to use agents. But the landlords that do use agents, far more likely to use agents, are the landlords with more than five properties. Nearly two-thirds, in fact, pretty much spot on, two-thirds of, of landlords, multi-owning landlords, use an estate agent. So actually, building a relationship with a landlord to do rent to SA, or to buy their property, or to do whatever the transaction is you want to do with that landlord, is going to be just as complex for a landlord that owns one property as it is for a landlord that owns 20. But if you get a good relationship with a landlord who owns 20 properties, then you've got 20 properties to hit at, not just one. You don't have to build 20 relationships with single property landlords. And agents are the best way to reach them, because two thirds of them are using agents already. So that's why I think this is particularly relevant to, to this room and to your aspirations if you're looking at rent to SA. Um, here's another interesting stat. Only 18% of landlords who are using agents are actually using the agents for full management. Now that is something that I will come back to later in the presentation. Mm. But um, it means that most of our people are actually, when they are using estate agents, are getting the agents to find the tenant, and that's all. And then they're managing the property themselves. Now a brief look at the state of the market, because we need a bit of an awareness of the zeitgeist and some of this stuff I'm sure you'll be aware of. So you'll have seen in the news that interest rates have gone up, the housing market slowed down, there's been a bit of a decline in house price value. This is important to estate agents in the sales sector because last year the market was still booming. So the current staff levels, the people recruited, were recruited to cope with last year's volume of business. And this year, the market's fallen in its size by about a third, between 25 and 33%, which means that most estate agencies now are overstaffed and are in some sort of financial strife. Now, estate agencies actually are a very seasonal business. Um, the, the key driver is the academic year because it doesn't just affect parents and teachers and doctors and university students, lecturers, everybody in that kind of sector. So it has a massive knock-on effect. So actually the slowdown in the sales market is slightly masked now by the fact that we've just had the busiest season. Things are going to quieten down for a state agency now and I can tell you now agents are going to be looking around thinking can we afford to keep all these people on? How are we going to pay the bills? Our turnover is down by a third on last year. A um, couple of headline stats. Spicer Heart, the biggest independent agency in the UK, lost 5.5 million quid last year. That's no small potatoes to a company like that. Another thing, way of reading the zeitgeist, LSL. You might not recognise the name, but their brands are Reed's Reigns and Your Move. They've just franchised loads of their high street agencies. In other words, their corporate management has read the runes and de-risked themselves. So instead of them holding the overhead, lots of individual franchise holders own the overheads on a local level and can get by on a smaller wage and don't have to worry about you know, kind of national wage scales and that sort of thing. So for sales agency, the market and estate agents are suddenly in a bit of a flux. Whereas 12 months ago and for the last several years, they've not really wanted to talk to property investors because they've not needed to, because they could sell everything. One of the guy that we sold our business to actually said to us last year, 
Um, somebody went to him and they said, do I need to renovate this property before I put it on the market? And he said, no, I could sell it if it was on fire. <laughs> but it's not like that now. Again, rentals is different. The flip side of people don't buy is that more people need to rent. I know that with an educated room like this, I do not need to explain Section 24 tax because we're all serviced accommodation operators in this community. So we know that SA is a way of avoiding the tax that's caused the crisis in the rental sector, that there are not enough properties and far more people that want to rent them. Um, the impacts of those tax changes really hit home once interest rates started going up. So having gone from 0.5 to now 5.5% as a baseline, that has meant that a lot of landlords who didn't really have much, you know, many effects from the implications of Section 24 before, are suddenly paying volumes of tax on operating losses. Now, again, from Kevin's training, you will know that this is a key thing for service accommodation people, but when we're talking to lettings agents, that's a problem to us because letting agents can rent stuff very easily for increasingly high rents. Question that's posed by a Financial Times article, how long can the UK rental crisis last? Well, how long have you got? How long does it take to build a million homes? Because at the moment, there's a supply and demand issue and landlords have been hammered for political expediency because there's a 400,000 landlords and 7 million voters called tenants. So both major parties have been hammering landlords because they think it's a good idea to win votes. And the answer to the question, how long is the rental crisis going to last? Well, it's going to last until after the next election and it's going to last for as long as politicians keep trying to cultivate tenants as a voting block without actually addressing the supply and demand issue of benefiting landlords in the private sector of building more housing stock. So where we are with rentals over the medium to long term is still, there's a rental crisis, it's ongoing, and if we're talking to rental agencies to try and get properties that we can rent for SA, that gives us some challenges. Now, it wouldn't be a progressive presentation if we didn't have an acronym. My acronym, uh, uh, acronym? No, that's not my acronym, that's the one. <laughs> Get my words mixed up, there we go. So our acronym is BIOPRISM, B-I-O-P-R-I-S-M. If that's for me, don't answer it. I'm on stage, thank you. Um, this is what it stands for. If, uh, if you're in the room and you want to take a picture, that's great, I'll just read it out. Business, income, organisation, people, relationships, instructions, services, and marketing. I'd love to tell you this was a really, really clever way of kind of engaging with the biological process by which we focus through a lens but actually it's just a really useful way of remembering for me where I am to deliver content to you and I hope for you to remember the content afterwards. We're going to start with our B for business. This is a question for the room. I'm happy for you to wave a hand and then uh, so that it gets picked up on the podcast I'll repeat your answer and then I'll tell you why it's wrong. Um, I'm going to use an analogy first. We are sophisticated investors in here so can you show me your hands if you think McDonald's burgers is, uh, McDonald's business is selling burgers? No. We've, we've got a couple of kind of tentatives. Uh, does anybody want to raise a hand and tell me what they think McDonald's business might actually be? Uh, lady at the back. Property. Yeah, they're a real estate company. 
If you haven't seen the film The Founder, go and watch the film The Founder. It explains it brilliant, McDon brilliantly. Flipping Burgers pays the rent, pays the rent on the property that McDonald's corporate own. McDonald's are a property company. Bearing that in mind, what business are estate agents in? Burgers. burgers. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> I tell you what, I wish some of them were in burgers. It would make our lives an awful lot easier if they went and did something else. Do we want a kind of slightly not? We've got a gentleman in the front row. Marketing. Marketing is a good answer. It's not the answer that I'm looking for, but it's not the wrong answer that people normally give. Yeah, everything that agents do is marketing. There's no part in the country where people are going, oh, I'd love to sell or rent out my house. I just can't find any company that will do it. All agents are competing for market share. So yes, they are all marketing businesses. Gentleman right at the back. Sales of what to whom? Properties to owner-occupiers predominantly. Brilliant. Sales of properties to owner-occupiers is the wrong answer that I was looking for. Thank you very much. Um, so, sales of property. Hmm. Who pays the estate agent's bill? The vendor, the seller of the property. Or the landlord through the rents that they pay a commission on or the money that they pay for finding a tenant. In other words, the agents selling the house or renting the house to a tenant is the equivalent of flipping burgers. The driver is that estate agents sell services to sellers and to landlords. Agents are selling services, not houses. Agents are selling services, not renting houses. That's just the byproduct of what they have to do to get paid by the people who pay them. Um, that matters because it changes our approach to the agent. Many people, when they've done a course on, probably not one of the courses in these four walls, but courses with a lesser company, shall we say, we used to see them in our agency all the time. They would walk in and they'd say, I'd like to buy a property at 25% below market value, please. Here's my new business card. And we'd go, which company was it? I bet I can have a guess. I'm not going to have a guess on the podcast, but there we go. You can fill in your own blanks. Um, that kind of approach is wrong. The agent will sell a house, and a rental agent especially will rent out a property. So if you go and you go, I want to buy a house, I want to rent that property, you're nothing special to the agent. They'll find a buyer, they'll find somebody to rent it. But what they're looking for are things to sell, things to rent out because that's the lifeblood, the driver of their business. The I is for income streams in my little model, and the standard income stream, for at least for sales agents, um, which is probably the most relevant at this point, is uh, the commission model. You'd instruct the, property, the agent, the agent would be one of three people you've invited to give you a valuation of your property. They tell you what they think it was worth, they put it on the market, and when they sell it, the agent takes a, a percentage of the final sale price as commission. And it's quite similar with rentals as well, that if you're renting a property out, either if it's just for a tenant find, then the agent will get paid either a fixed fee or a percentage of that, that first month's rent, or maybe of the overall contract value. And then if you're renting the property and the agent's managing it, the agent will be charging the landlord a percentage for their management fee. That was the standard model, but it changed a little bit. Purple bricks in the sales environment changed it. Purple Bricks decided that they were going to sell sellers of houses a transaction. And they were going to sell it to them for an upfront fixed price and 
that would change the model. They had all that advertising about avoiding commissary and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, they didn't really work because Purple Bricks ended up being sold for a quid to Strike. I don't know if Strike have hit your markets yet locally to wherever you are, but Strike will sell your house for nothing. And the key point of that is they're making money somewhere else. So where are they making their money from? Referrals. And in the sales environment, the key drivers are referrals to lawyers and referrals to mortgage brokers. In the rentals environment, something that crosses over are, are referrals to insurance companies. Um, also referrals to utility companies. Did any of you guys already know that U-Switch is owned by Zoopla Property Group? Because when people move house, whether they be buying or renting, they change their utility supplier so Zoopla, by buying U-Switch, now can get a slice of that money. Um, in fact, agents will take referrals from wherever they can get it from. They'll take it from removal firms, they'll take it from surveyors, they'll take referral, firms, uh, re uh, referral fees from anybody that they can signpost you to as a potential buyer or renter of a new property or seller of, or landlord for a property. That's important because that's something else that we can give the agents back in return. Next question, organisation. Who owns the agency that you want to talk to? This makes a massive difference to your approach and to what you're going to get from them. So there are three agency models up on screen there. Corporates, independents and franchises. Now, we're going to deal with the first one first, corporates. Um, I'm showing a bunch of brand names on here. So we've got companies on screen now with their brand names, the likes of Fulford's from the southwest where I am, Taylor's, who are kind of southeast, I think. Uh, I think Sharman Quinney might be on there somewhere. Entwistle Green, Frank Innes, Beresford Adams, Austin Wyatt. Do you people here, show us your hand if you recognise one of those company brand names or more. Okay, that's probably, again, a vast majority of the room. Question, did you know they're all owned by the same company? All of these were part of Countrywide, which at the time was the biggest estate agency firm in the UK. It's not anymore. Recognise any of these firms? Very, very similar, sort of circles logo with different names in the same typeface, Fox and Sons, um, Alan, uh, what, Alan and Harris, William H. Browns. Familiar names there again? Nods of heads, yeah. Uh, they're all owned by the Sequence Group. Connells is their big national brand. Sequence Group bought Countrywide, so every single agency that you've seen, 80-odd brands, are all owned by the same company. And just to give you a sense of where their impetus comes from, they're also part of the same group, and the original corporate owner of all of them is the Skipton Building Society, a mortgage company. So the whole of the corporate agency world is built around fulfilling every aspect of the sales or rentals process and filling those spaces with their own firms that they cross-refer to. It means, in this group in particular, sequence group in particular, officially, they don't do rent to rent. They'll rent to, on a corporate let to a company who's putting named employees into the property, but officially, they don't do rent to rent. Now, actually, in practice, you'll find individuals who do, but, it's good to know that before you go and burn all your energy trying to create a deal that isn't ever going to get past 
the regional team. It also matters as to who's in the building and what they do. But we'll come to that momentarily. So I'm going to skip on. These are other corporations. This is the second biggest. This is LSL that I mentioned before. All of these brand names are all owned by LSL. Same sort of situation. They're not quite as rigid on their corporate policies, I don't think. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other co corporates as well. Stock market listed companies, Foxtons, um, Leaders Romans, and a bunch of others. What it means is that the people in the office are not the owners of the business. That the office manager is basically a setter and distributor of targets. They don't have authority to make decisions and they don't have a financial vested interest or at least a very small one in taking any kind of out there decisions about how to make money from their properties. Independents though are exactly the opposite. Independents are the small companies, usually one to five office independents, are the ones that we want to look for, because the person sat at the back of their office is likely to be somebody who owns part of the business or the whole of the business. That means a couple of things. It means they can make decisions off the wall, it means they don't have to ask for authority to do it, and it means that the money that the company banks pays for their kids' school fees or their family holiday or pays their mortgage. So they are the best people for us to be trying to build relationships with because we'll get more from them. Halfway house of franchises. Franchises are a corporate system and structure that people buy into, usually successful in another business who are buying the structure because they don't quite know how to be estate agents, but they do know how to run a business. So you're going to get a bit of both from them. You'll get some who are entrepreneurial, and you'll get some who bought a system and aren't going to veer away from it. Um, here's a bunch of... Uh, Franchise companies, once again, they're all actually the same company. That's all part of the property franchise group. But there'll be a lot of familiar names in your town. You might not know them, but Bairstow Eves is a franchise. Um, Belvoir Lettings, uh, Winkworth, they're all franchise businesses. Actually the same model as McDonald's. People, who works there? Well, I hope you've already begun to understand now that somebody's called the office manager. They might be the owner of the business or they might be a target setter depends on the ownership model of the company. Um, generally, are people who go to the instructions. They're the people that we want to get hold of, whether it be a rental or a sale instruction. They, are, they might be called listers, they might be called senior negotiator, they might be called valuer, but they are the decision makers of the driving force of the business, getting instructions in through the door. In front of them, usually in the office, you'll have negotiators who do the viewings, who have the conversations. They might do a bit of the sales chasing. They might do some of the admin for the management of the lettings properties. And then on the front desk, you have someone whose sole job is it to stop you getting to talk to anybody important if you're coming off the street. Gatekeepers. Now, you still need to build relationships with them because you need to get past them. But when we're building those relationships, don't show up naked. Put them right off their lunch. And what I mean actually by that is every company pretty much has a who's who meet the team on their website. Before you go into an estate agent, you should know the name of the person that you want to speak to, whether they are the lettings manager, whether they're the senior valuer, whatever the titles might be. And you really want to know the name of the person on the front desk so that when you come in, you can acknowledge them. If you, if you come in to see somebody and you go, um, I'd like to talk to your manager, please, the answer is going to be they're busy, they're in a meeting, what can I do for you? If you go in and you go, hi Steve, is Sharon in? You're likely to get through. And all that is is just going on the website having a look. So some of it is just about how you build those relationships. I mean, the importance of relationships also is founded upon ultimately being able to deliver to people what they want. We found this out with our business. I won't go into the full details of it, but there was a point in actually 2016 when our business could very easily have gone under. 
So we did the worst possible thing you could ever hope to do. I phoned my in-laws with the wife to see if they could help us financially through a little bit of a shortfall cash flow crisis that we had. My wife is Australian, so these conversations were going on at midnight and we thought we might lose the business. And my father-in-law is from Slovenia. I have to explain that because the next line doesn't make sense. The accent doesn't make sense if I don't. Um, and we explained our circumstance. And the very first thing my father-in-law said to me is, well, we're not going to give you any money. Right. <laughs> Thanks. So we went away and we cried, and my mother-in-law got really cross at us, for, at me, for leading her daughter to the brink of financial ruin and what have I been doing for the last 20 years. And, oh, thanks, Jane, that's really helpful. Um, <laughs> and then we thought about it, and they're property investors. So we went back to them, and we went to them with a deal that said, look, why don't we sell you our premises? We'll rent it back off you. You'll make 11.5%. We'll refloat the company. That'd be fine. And they went 11.5%. That's more than we get in bloody Queensland or New Zealand or in America. Of course we'll buy your property. So we sold them the property, refinanced the company, went on and sold it. We all live happily ever after. Three key learnings from this. One, make sure your mother-in-law lives 12,000 miles away. <laughs> Second thing, it was property that got us out of trouble. Um, and the third thing, and the most important thing in this context is, it doesn't matter if you're talking to your family if you want something from somebody, your best starting point is to work out what they want. Give them what they want, and then they'll help you if they can. And it's the same with agents. So what do agents want? What can we do for them? Agents want instructions. They want new properties to sell. They want new properties to rent out, and or they don't want to lose the stock they've already got. Now that's really important if you're doing rent to SA because so many agents now are getting calls from landlords saying, can you evict my tenant? Can you give me section 21? Because I need to do it now because I won't be able to soon and I need to sell the property anyway because the interest is killing me. You know as uh, as service accommodation operators that you can actually save the roster for those letting agents because you can tell them about capital allowances and you can tell them about the exemptions from section uh, from Section 24 tax stuff. So you can, you can get them out of the predicament that they're in. Uh, services. Agents sell insurance. They say sell rent guarantee insurance. They sell surveys and mortgage brokerage and all the other things. They get a commission, maybe three, four hundred quid perhaps for a mortgage or a, a legal referral. In fact, actually, if the mortgage broker is a financial services provider and sells pension advice and stocks and shares and bonds and investments and all that kind of stuff, a single referral could pay the estate agent well over a thousand quid. That's how Strike and Purple Bricks can run a business without charging people for for selling the house or renting the house out in the first place. So if you can use services of people, that's brilliant. And the last thing, great answer earlier on, it's almost as if we were foreshadowing that agents are in a marketing business. All agents can do is compete for market share. You can't control the interest rate. You can't decide how many renters there are, how many houses are built in the local area. But all agents are doing is competing for market share. So if you can give an agent a market advantage, you're really giving them something that helps them drive their own business. Much better if your first conversations with an estate agent or a lettings agent are before you want something from them. Much better if your first approach is, I can give this to you. What what can I do for you? So it's just a couple of ideas I've thrown up on the screen. Um, I do want to warn you as well, especially with rental agents, two kind of issues for rental agents um, that come back to the the challenges in the market at the moment. Um, The first key one of those is that rental agents are, if not lazy, they're certainly in familiar territory. 
Look at it from their point of view. If you come in and you want to do a corporate let, but they've got a property that they understand ASTs, they know how they work. They don't know how corporate agreements work. They don't know how to evict a corporate tenant. They don't know even that you can't, you, you can do subletting or run Airbnb from a, from a corporate let. So they've got an AST that somebody's just moved out, the price has gone up, the landlord's really happy, it's gonna rent straight away for more money. And if you pitch into a, a, a lettings agent and say, do you do corporate let? I'd like to uh, rent your property. Then the chances are, the easy life for the agent is to go, no, I understand STs, I'll rent it out straight away, my landlord's happy, I've done my job, we're all good, thank you very much, I don't need what you do, I don't do corporate lets. The other thing that agents, rental agents will be worried about, you're a property manager, they're a property manager, if you get involved, why does the landlord need them? So rental agents are also concerned that you're gonna steal their business, as well as being concerned that they don't understand yours. So be aware of that. If we had longer, then I will give you a few more kind of pointers and scripts. I'm happy to take some questions afterwards for the, the people in the room. Sorry, podcast people, but you should be in the room anyway. Um, I will explain a little bit about how perhaps we can get around those things. But these are the three key things that agents want. Instructions or preserving the roster, services and marketing. And these are just a few more ideas and things that you can do to build your relationships with agents early doors. First off, as serviced accommodation operators, you do not have to be in a property redress scheme. However, that's a state agency language. To be an estate agent, you do. You have to be subscribed to the property ombudsman or the property redress scheme. It costs about 250 quid. And if you are, an estate agent will understand that you are a registered, monitored, with a complaints procedure, property professional company. So that probably helps you as a marketing spend, even though it's not an obligation. Um, mentioned already, use agents referral services where you can. If you need insurance, go to the agent and go, look, I need some insurance for my house, but have you got a person that you can recommend that you might get a kickback from? If you need a mortgage or a remortgage or a lawyer or anything that an agent might have a referral commission from, go and ask the agent for it. Yes, brilliant, if you've got a power team, use your power team. But sometimes, if you're using your power team to buy a property from a corporate agent, what's going to happen there is that the corporate agent will get more money from a first-time buyer that they're going to refer in-house than for you with your power team. So just be kind of aware of how it works. Talk to the agents. What can I do for you? Can I give you some free money? Because I need a solicitor, and you've got solicitors. And if I, the bill won't go up for me, but you might get 300 quid out of it. It's a good way to make friends with agents. Let Letting agents know you can save their roster. Every agent in your area, you should have had a conversation that says, look, I hope this day never comes, but if one of your landlords phones up and says, I want to sell the property, before you go, yeah, great, I'll put it on the market, give me a call first, because I might be able to save that on the roster for you. Now, you may need to do a little bit of an explanation here. It might be that, as, as Kevin quite rightly teaches, that HMRC one day decide that if you're just paying the flat rent to rent, that that's not exempts as furnished holiday lettings. So we need to get it right. We might need to cut the owner of the property in on a percentage deal, which makes it complicated for the agent. So you're gonna to have to dedicate some time to explaining how it works to the agent. And perhaps you're paying the agent's fee instead of the landlord, and you're paying the landlord a fixed rent plus a few percent points on top of the, of the profit margin. But that's a way in. What's an even more attractive way in though for estate agents? This is coming back to what I said at the start. Where 
a landlord is only using the agent to find a tenant, the, landlord, uh, the agency then is not getting a monthly commission from that property. So that's where you can jump in. All your local agents should know that if they get any tenant find only properties, you want them. First, the agent gets paid for finding a tenant. Second, the landlord is managing it themselves, so you're pitched to the landlord to take over the management of the property, to look after it, to keep it in hotel pristine condition every guest change. It's much more attractive to the landlord that would actually have to do it themselves if you don't. Third, and this is a bit more of a, depends on your margin, depends on your numbers, but if you can afford from the numbers to pay the agent maybe 100 quid per month out of the income that you're getting from that property as an ongoing sort of stipend for the introduction. Not only does it turn a one-off cash payment for the agency into an ongoing monthly return, so that's suddenly very attractive, money they wouldn't otherwise get. But also, if you're dealing with an independent with an owner-manager, it actually increases the capital value of the business. The value of a lettings agency roster is based upon the income in annual figures multiplied by whatever the multiplier is at the moment. Um, if that sounds a little bit complicated, I can explain it in a bit more detail. But in, sh in summary, a tenant find is cash, is nice, doesn't contribute to the increase in the value of the business. But another monthly hundred quid coming in will add something like two grand onto the value of the business if the owner sells. So if you're talking to owner managers, talking to independents, being able to talk about their tenant finds becoming a regular part of their book income is very valuable to them. Um, last couple of things on there, sales agents. Now this is a brilliant idea, I've stolen it from Yoko Goddard, who's uh, one of the mentors in a different room in this building. Um, Yoko did pop-up serviced accommodation for sales businesses. So if a property's being sold empty and it only needs a bit of a light refurb and some furniture, she would pitch to the sales agent, let me take all of the costs off the owner. So there's no council tax, there's no, no utilities, we'll stage the property, we'll make it more sellable, we might even put a coat of paint on the walls, we'll book viewings in and around. The only thing that we ask is that we can rent it out in the short term as furnished holiday lets and that's how we'll cover our costs for managing that property for you and um, we'll run a calendar only at three months and as soon as the sales agreed we'll withdraw, we'll shut the calendar down. Now Yoko did really well doing that, what you will have to do is educate sales agents why that's important, why they can sit in a meeting, all the other agents have pitched a similar price, a similar fee, a similar structure, but the agent that you're talking to, when they get invited to that valuation of an empty property can say, and we've thought of everything. We've even got someone who will come in and stage the property for you for free and they'll take on the council tax and they'll take on all of the utilities and you won't have to pay a penny for having this property empty and we will look after it for you. Isn't that great? The agent will be able to win instructions, although they'll probably need you to tell them how and why. Very last thing, whether you're looking to buy or to rent, you can get the agents to look for properties for you. If you're doing, say, a, a refurbished property that you want to turn a two-bed Victorian terrace into a, a serviced accommodation unit with potentially three rooms in it or a, you know, a downstairs sitting room with a bed so it can accommodate six, and you're looking to buy that, and you know they're all going to be terrace houses in a similar similar looking houses in similar looking streets all in a little block in the area, you can tell your sales agent that you will buy anything that comes up there if it's true. But if it is true, then they can do the marketing for you. They can be sending out their leaflets saying, buy a looking in your area. We want to have a good, uh, you know, we, we've got somebody lined up to buy properties in this space. 
if you know what you're looking for and you can educate the agent as to what that is, then you can get them to go away and do the work for you. I could talk at great length, I've already talked longer than I should do, um, but I've kind of run out of time for now. Um, the maxim, if you want to take one takeaway, is this beautiful quote from the American guy Zig Ziglar. Fabulous name, he was Texan. You can have anything in life that you want if you just give enough other people what they want. And that's my presentation, thank you. Okay, fantastic. I hope you agree that was really useful, very informative, and some great ideas of how to create win-wins with agents there. Um, if anyone, obviously in the audience, but also listening on the podcast, wants to reach out to you, get in touch, Joe, how should they do that? Uh, certainly. Easiest place to find me is on uh, social media. My name is Joe Catcherside, Catch Letter E Side. There's only two Joe Catchersides in the UK on Facebook, and uh, I'm the good-looking one. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, or my email address is jcatcherside at masswick.com, M-A-S-S-W-I-C-K.com. Just reach out, happy to answer any questions, give whatever help I can to people. Amazing. Can I just ask you to give one more round of applause to Joe Catcherside, if you want? Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.